what's going on everybody welcome to the over six sports podcast i'm your host zach the bandit burke and with me as always is the turf king cameron charlton the perfect picks king Cameron Charlton, what is going on, buddy? I mean, there's hot weeks in the season. Like, you could get 12, you go 12 and 4. There's hot weeks. There was not a mm-hmm. perfect week. Not only was it a perfect week, I told you to get on San Fran on the money line, which was paying nice. So if you took my advice this weekend, playoff Cam. It's like playoff Lenny. It's just a different different player. <laughs> so playoff Cam, he's on fire. Six for six, hit the lock, told you to get take the money line dog. Everything went perfect. I made more money in the wild card weekend than I did all NFL season. I mean, I put a lot of money down, <laughs> but I also made a ton of money. Didn't get anything wrong. I mean, we got the free bets through Bet365 that we just do absolutely ridiculous parlays. Didn't hit any of those, but it was still a fantastic weekend of football. How are you doing today, Burke? I'm doing great. Uh you know, later in the week. Kind of had a bit of a snow day on Monday, so that was nice. A little bit of a long weekend after the the football Sunday. So, you know, snow again. It is funny. Uh, you know, we get like, I don't know, different areas had different amounts, but you know, down my way, we probably had a foot, probably 12 inches in 24 hour period. Uh, you're a little farther up North than I am. Did you guys kind of have the same? Yeah, we had similar, but it was weird. South did in areas did worse, like near the lake effect, Toronto and stuff actually did worse. They're still struggling. It's like Thursday night. Now they're still struggling in parts of Toronto because there's nowhere to put the snow. And like even talking to my boss Tuesday morning, his road still hadn't been plowed. He wasn't sure he was getting his four wheel drive truck off his road to get to work. So nobody made it in Monday, Tuesday. Nobody was quite sure who was going to make it in. So just a messy week. Nice to finally see some snow. Yeah, well, exactly. And I was that, that's kind of where I was going. I was like, I mean, people are freaking out about snow, and I'm like, man, it's Canada. But at the same time, I mean, I stayed home because, you know, the highway going into town didn't get plowed. And I'm like, not worried about my driving. I had a four wheel truck, but, you know, other idiots, that's what I'm concerned about. But, you know, it's true. We just haven't had that kind of snow in over a decade. So, hey, fun times. Shout out to our, uh, our snow first responder, NFL correspondent, NFL uh, Blitz.me, at J. Cal. Good job plowing, buddy. Shout out. Um, if you just tell a guy good job plowing, it just sounds stupid. Like, it just sounds it's, it means like super offside. Two, two very different terms if it's at a bar or if it's just in a casual conversation. <laughs> what can you say in the Canadian winter that you can also say at a bar? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Good plowing, buddy. Yeah, I mean, it was just a, it was a crazy week. Nice to see the snow. I mean, I was happy. I've got back on the rinks a little bit, getting the skates on. Yeah. Uh, definitely going to need the blades looked after because some of these rinks are a total mess. So need a couple sharpenings before uh, our tournament in March there. But I mean, no doubt. Nice well, the ODR, <laughs> the, the ODR situation right now is, is unreal. Like you're getting minus 20 degrees, feels like minus 30. Like this is like for like, you know, my dad does an outside rink and it's perfect. Like you put hot water on it. It is just absolute glass. And we haven't had this cold of a weather with that perfect conditions for outdoor rinks in, in quite a few years. So yeah, um, I mean, the reservoir at the golf course, uh, we'll keep this on the down low because nobody's skating there at all, but uh, perfect amount of wind, perfect amount of cold. It is about as clear and as smooth as could be, but nobody's skating ooh. there, so we don't we don't need to mention that. No, you definitely, you know, don't, don't do that. And we don't know what course that is either right now, so, I mean, hey, take that as you will. Uh, weren't you, like, golfing, like, two weeks ago on that course? 
Oh, well, not three quite weeks ago, like before ago. Christmas. Yeah, just before Christmas, we we swung a couple clubs around just randomly because there was really no snow and it was just kind of <laughs> windy and cold. So, yeah. Well, no, the snow is here to stay. So there you go. Uh, anyway, that's enough. That's the weather report. The over six weather report. Um, in terms of sporting and stuff, you know, the Leafs blew another three-one lead, and that's uh. You know, the least shocking thing ever. I still maintain that the two goal, I mean, a three goal lead for the Leafs fan, the 4 1 lead, that's always a killer. But it's pretty evident over the last year when you have, like, if you look, or even the last couple of years, 3 1 lead in a series, 3 1 lead in a game. We just are not good at doing that. And I mean, overall, three goal lead or two goal leads is, sorry, 3 1, yeah. Two goal leads in any hockey game is the absolute worst. And Sheldon Keefe just rips into the team um, saying, you know, we're we're a soft team and, and this is the second time he said it. Now, I I don't know how I feel about it, right? Because, I mean, you look at the standings and you look at the games that they've won and they've beat good teams and um, it just it seems like, I mean, the Rangers, to give them credit, they're now six wins in the last eight games. So, like let, let's let's call it what it is i mean they've been on a hot streak and they are not a bad team i mean they've added li- nice pieces they were good before um and they just haven't been able to get over the hump but I, I mean maybe that game they were soft but it's hard for me to to judge them and i know you're gonna say well the leafs are always good during the regular season it's gonna matter when it comes down to playoffs but i i don't know i, I don't know if i actually believe that and maybe this is the problem is I don't know if I actually believe Sheldon Keefe believes that they're soft. I just think it's like a motivational piece to kind of call them out after a bad loss. Yeah. To me, like watching it, these are the games that just make me think the Leafs are going to flounder like they do in the playoffs. Cause these are the kind of games that playoff hockey is more like you saw Ryan Reeves get a couple. He was playing tough. He was being a thorn in that defense and that defense just, they don't look like they can play a tough game. Like they don't look like they can hold up to it. And it's just these kind of games, especially when your coach is calling you out soft, because they were soft last night, whether they're a soft team overall. Yeah, for sure they were. They were soft last night, and you just can't do that come playoff time. And there's just so many question marks when it comes to being soft, not being there, that I still just question about this team. Yes, they are a really good regular season game, because the hockey's different. Teams don't tighten up. They don't play as physical as they do, because if you're trying to play that physical for 82 games, there's going to be injuries and stuff. When you're in a seven-game series, everyone's playing injured, everyone's playing through everything, and you're giving it everything you have. So I just think these are the games that still make me wonder if the Leafs are going to do it in the playoffs, especially because the Atlantic's just a mess and they're going to get a, like, if you don't finish first in the Atlantic, which like Florida looks unbelievable at times this year, you're going to get stuck, what, playing Tampa in the first round? Like, that's not a good matchup. They're back-to-back no. defending champions. So to me, these are the games that worry me if you're the Leafs fan about this is what kind of you're looking at and this is like, this could be the issue come playoff time. So Again, not freaking out or anything, but those are kind of the issues I think that we've seen in the past and they might still have going forward. And I just, I don't think this top four on their D is good enough to compete in the playoffs. Well, maybe that's what they look to do, um, you know, come trade deadline time. I mean, I I think it's pretty obvious that the Leafs are going to make some sort of a move again. Um, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And people are talking about like, oh, like eventually you got to keep a first round pick. And I'm like, guy, like, at this point at this point like unless you're doing a full rebuild like a rebuild there's no reason to keep your first round pick there just isn't um you're not going to get one of the top two guys top three guys it's just not going to happen um you know if if you if you make the playoffs which they're going to do 
Um, you're not you're not getting a lottery picks. So you're getting a bottom first round pick. There's no reason to keep it um, for and, and for next year. And I just and I you know the goal is to win a Stanley Cup. If you want to stock the covers, like like look at the Habs. The Habs is a great example, right? Where now they had a run last year, which was a great run, but they have absolutely stocked up. And last year was kind of a, a fairy tale runs maybe the wrong thing, but they built the team a lot different than other, you know, that other organizations. Every, everything went well last year. Their team played extremely well and it's been the absolute opposite this year. But like, yeah, you're looking at it like a first round pick for the Leafs. If you're picking even 20th, so you don't do good in the playoffs, which is typical for the Leafs, you pick 20th. Is a 20th overall pick going to be better than a guy like Ben Chirac come playoff time? Like your window's two no. to three years. Is a guy who you can pick up 20th going to help you in that Time frame probably not. If you can go get a defenseman like Ben Sherratt, who's going to be on the trade deadline, he's going to be moved somewhere for a first rounder. What's more important to you to winning? Ben Sherratt is easily going to go into a team like the Leafs, make a difference in the playoffs. You saw it last year; he did it. So, like, I get a first round pick is a first round pick, but not when it's your windows now. Your windows now to win. If you can get guys who can be a difference maker, like Sherratt played ridiculous minutes in the playoffs. That's what you needed to do. And I'm just trust the easy example because I'm a Habs fan and I see it. I saw what he did last year. But yep. these guys are going to be impactful this year. They're going to be impactful in the playoffs. Whoever you pick at 20th overall, especially in all these COVID things, like a lot of these guys, like we know who the top five players are in the draft. But like 20 to like 50, do we really know? We haven't seen that much of this age group because of COVID. So it's even more of a question mark. So to me, no, you got to move that first round pick. I know it's a first round pick, but... Also, Kyle Dubas, like your job's starting to get on the line. Keeping your first round pick doesn't mean much for you if you keep losing in the first round. If you no, lose in the first round speaking, again, yeah. you might lose your job. So what does that first round no, pick will, mean? Will here? will lose his job. Will will lose his job, no doubt. Um last year I think I said it was too quick. Um and I thought his moves were decent. Um but the, but this year you lose that excuse, right? So I think that you know, if that's the case, then you're in big trouble this year. Um, but I think that's where the angst comes from Leafs fans, honestly, is that, you know, last year they got uh, Felino and Nick Felino, and they gave up a first round pick and it didn't play out. That's not I mean, it's not really Dubis's fault. I mean, he got injured in a, you know, and, and, and he couldn't really perform and obviously was you know the playoffs was not performing up to snuff because he still wasn't 100 percent. That's a tough beat. So I get I get why there's hesitancy with that, but I don't think that's a fair assessment. And yeah, like you got, if you have to unload that pick to get a guy like Ben Schrott and, and, and we all know come playoff time or whenever that the Leafs and forever, really, honestly, the Leafs defense has been their biggest problem. They're better than they were four or five years ago. We don't have Martin Marinson out there. So that's a start, but <clears throat> you know, like now you've got some decent pieces, you've got guys in and out of COVID, but um, I just want to say as well, by the way, that uh, the Rangers currently, now they've got some games in hand, but they're leading the Metro right now. So I don't really know why this is that big of a shock, considering they were on a winning streak as well. Like, I don't know. Washington's played 40 games, and they're three points behind. So No, but that's what I more mean. This was kind of a playoff atmosphere, tougher, grittier game, and the Leafs were soft, as Keith put it. They were soft last night. And again, like... There's a lot going on here, but you look at a team who ha would have like Muzzin and Sherratt in your top four come the playoffs, like that's a lot scarier. There's nobody else in the top four. Like Riley's Riley. He'll get the job done, but I don't, I wouldn't trust anybody else out there in that top four for 20 plus minutes. I just wouldn't. Like Justin Hall's dropped way off this season. He wasn't great in the playoffs anyways, but like you have Muzzin and you have Riley who are super solid and everyone else is kind of in and out where they look good, they look bad and 
Like, I don't know if you feel comfortable if you have to play like Timothy Liljegren come playoff time. I don't think you want him playing no. big minutes. No. Sandine's been okay. Like, Sandine's been not not, not bad. Sandine's um, fine on a third pairing, but I still don't think you want him in yep. your top four come playoffs. No. No. And, like, adding that piece, I mean, I, I it, it'd be hard to argue. I mean, these guys scored three goals in the first period a lot. The last three or four games, they've pumped the net full in the first period, and then as the game goes on, they take the – you know, they take the foot off the gas and that's what happens. Um, Cam, talk to me about, um, give me a Montreal update. Well, what's, what's going on with the Habs right now? Well, they shockingly brought in Kent Hughes as the general manager, which you hear Kent Hughes, it's Montreal. So everyone's losing their mind. He's not French Canadian. He is French Canadian. He was born in Montreal. He's bilingual. His name just isn't Kent Hughes. I actually love Jerry D's tweet. Jerry D tweeted out after this whole thing went on on Twitter and he just added accents to both the E's. And he's like, see, he's French Canadian now. And it's like, Kayant Hughes. It doesn't even make Kayant sense. Hughes. And then you saw people on Twitter losing their mind because his, his accent kind of sounds more island, like out east French Canadian than it does Quebec French Canadian. I get the point. It's Montreal. It's Quebec. If you want a big time job there, no matter what position, what whether it's like banking, working for the government, you need to be bilingual. doesn't matter what your accent is or how you're bilingual. No. As long as you can speak both languages, I'm fine with it. And here it looks like they got the best person available. And this is kind of a shocking news. So Jeff Gordon actually really tried getting Hughes to come to the Rangers and he wouldn't do it. He just gave up a $138 million portfolio. He's Patrice Bergeron's agent. He's Darnell Nurse's agent. Like he just gave up a ton of money. And his answer was, well, when you get a job with the Montreal Canadiens, it's a different story. Like the franchise, the history, he's like, you're born in this city. The Montreal Canadiens is just a different story than the New York Rangers. So this guy's given up a lot. They signed a five-year deal, but this all came within two weeks. The other two guys who were really talked about, one of them being Danny Breer. And it's interesting, but it's exciting. Like we have, for once, as since I've really been a Habs fan, I think we have the two best people available. And it doesn't happen for the Habs because it's always so... You have to speak both languages, which I get. I do get how much it's kind of a silly rule. Half the media is French, if not more than that. So you have to be able to speak to them. But bringing in Jeff Gordon, who doesn't speak French, to help run this organization, who's made some of the best moves the last 15 years. Now you bring in Hughes. Like They have a really good piece here. And they're in a pretty good spot. If you look past, really, the Carey Price contract, and even maybe the Brennan Gallagher, just it's a little high for how he's playing now. This team is looking super young. They even have a guy in the NCAA who's lighting it up in Jordan Harris. They got a couple other guys. Caden Gooley, who was the captain of the World Juniors when they played. Looks like he's going to go to the Olympics. Plus, you add in like Suzuki, Caulfield, Romanov. Like, they got a lot of good pieces. It looks like they're going to have a top three pick this year. Like, it's nice to bring in the proper guys to run this organization now. And I feel way more confident. Like, this is starting to feel good. We had an unbelievable run last year where everything went perfect everything's going as bad as it could this year. At one point they had 32 people on IR and COVID. They were calling up guys from the East coast league who weren't even doing that well in the East coast. And they were playing that night. So everything's gone as bad as it could this year, but it's maybe good. It lets them reset, get that top pick, which actually works out better for them because if they have a top 10 pick this year, they get to keep the better pick. If their pick is 11th or worse, they lose their higher pick this year because they have two first rounders. So it actually could work out better to that for them because of the whole Kakademi situation. So there's a lot of bright spots here. It's a down year and I'm still getting it like at work. I'm hearing from it. Yeah. I just look at like, 
I hear from Leafs fans and it's like, oh yeah, the Habs are just like the Titanic at the bottom of the Atlantic. And I'm like, yeah, really? Like, can you leave fans? It's such a bad, it's such a bad chirp. Because, but also like Leafs fans can't talk yet. Like it's the no, regular season. No. Montreal oh, just came back bad. from 3-1. I have a couple years here until Toronto does something where I'm like, yeah, Leafs fans, you can't really chirp. You blew a 3-1 lead in the playoffs to Montreal. I got at least this year. Especially if the least don't. So like you don't like you have that you have. This is how long you have with this break. You have until they play again in the playoffs, or the Leafs win a cup. If That's the, it. If the Leafs make the cup finals, I'll, I'll give the Leafs fans some credit. And but even winning one series, it's like really like you don't have anything yet. So I mean, I'm just like no. I'm tired of hearing it from Leafs fans. But I'm actually starting to get excited. I'm curious what they're going to do with the trade deadline. Uh, you got a couple guys like Tyler Toffoli. A lot of people are talking about him. He's a guy I actually hope Montreal keeps. You've seen teams completely deplete their leadership group and it not go well for the young guys. I think Tyler Toffoli is just the perfect character to keep around the team. He's on a really reasonable contract. Him and his wife love Montreal. They've said they would be fine if they spent the rest of their career there. That's a guy you keep. I don't know if you're going to get a ton for him. And if he's going to help guys, like even the first game he was back, Suzuki looked like a different player playing with him and having him on the bench and around the arena. So I think you got to keep some of these guys, but you got Sherratt to move. Arturi Lekkinen, who was really good in the playoffs, scored the winner against Vegas in overtime. It's an exciting trade deadline as a Habs fan. After coming off the excitement from last year, like it's actually a really good spot. I don't feel bad how mad things have gone this year. I'm probably not going to watch that many hockey games, but it's still kind of exciting around the team and looking into this off season and seeing what can happen. Well, I mean, Hey, that's a great, that's a great little summary. It, it, it is. It, it's just so true. When you talk about when your team is shit, which let's call a spade a spade, like they're not good this year, which is fine. Um, so, and that's said, that's fine. But when they are that bad, and this is what I've been through as a Leaf fan for the last, I don't know, I would say, well, the last three, four years have been a little bit different, but like 2008 to 2014, 2015, like that's basically what it was, where they're so bad that you're offloading players on a trade deadline. You're always looking forward to the draft. You're always looking for that next guy. When you do it correctly, it, it can be absolutely huge, especially with cap space going into free agency uh, and like and having young young pieces, right? Like when Marner, Matthews, Nylander, all those guys were coming up, like that was a really you know, exciting time. So, but and it, I mean, yeah. amplified, amplified by the fact that you made the Stanley cup well, final last year. I thing, mean, that's that makes me even more excited about the young players who are on their roster is they've already seen success. They've been to the cup finals and now we're in a little bit of a reset. I don't even think it's a rebuild. Like the Leafs had to fully kind of suck for a couple of years. I think Montreal's in a perfect spot to reset with this roster reset with these picks. Again, maybe not be as competitive next year, but like even going into next year, like, Instead of the pesky sends, we might be calling them the pesky Habs. Like, I think they're in that position coming off last year, completely reset year, get a Shane Wright added to this roster, do a couple good things. Like, they could be the pesky team next year. So, things have kind of how bad they've turned out this year, how amazing they were last year. I think it's kind of the perfect storm that I had the most fun in the spring last year with the Habs run. And now I see a really bright future all within 12 months. So, it's super exciting looking past. You pay the price. Oh, yeah. You pay, you pay the price, right? And that's and the same thing with the Raps, except for the Raptors are a little bit different scenario because, um, you know, like I said in twenty, I said before twenty nineteen, I said I would trade. You know, would you trade ten years of of bad or mediocrity teams for a championship? And I said, sign me up immediately. Leafs win a cup this year, and they're bad ten years for, in a row. Fine, 
Raptors won a championship. They were bad the next year. And then now considering, and I think this is a good transition. I do want to talk about the Raps for a little bit here. Um, you know, they have been super competitive recently. They had a down kind of year last year, you know, uh, 2020, they, you know, weren't really any good either. So, and, and, you know, obviously COVID and everything all affected that kind of stuff and, and the bubble and the way that all kind of played out. But man, talk about the all-star game coming up. Fred Van Vliet has been an absolute stud. And we, we, I'm sure we've talked about him before, but we can't not keep bringing this guy up. I mean, this guy, I, I saw a thing basically on Twitter that over the last five games, the guy's played, or I think the five-game road trip, I think they're on, uh, he played like 167 minutes of, I don't I forget if it was 92 or whatever, like, you know what I mean? Like, so, something like that. But he, he's played so many minutes, and he's just been the backbone of this team. Siakam has, has been really good. OG's been really good. Gary Trent Jr. has been unreal. Scotty Barnes, like, you know, you transitioning from that whole reset thing, when you have cap space, and as soon as Masai signed back on and you got a guy, Scott, Scotty Burns, and you and I were chatting the other day about how, you know, when uh, making that pick before Masai came on was kind of scary because it was a reach pick or, or not not something that was common. Um, but in Masai, we trust as he's st- obviously he signed here and – it just seems to me that with how understaffed the Raps have been and with the success that they're having, the 21 and 21 right now, but they're, they're, they're keeping games close with teams that are really, really good teams. And that has to be, that has to be a, a great thing. If you're a Raps fan that, you know, this kind of group that you weren't sure if they could be the next generation of, of stud Raptors, it sure does seem like they are going to be. Yeah, I mean, this is still super exciting. You see everything that Fred, he's turning into what Lowry was for this organization. Scotty Barnes is coming on pretty good. Like, things are looking up. Again, it's still like a transition year, and we'll see what comes in the future. But we see a foundation again. And after coming off a championship, you have Musai there. Like, everything, you're looking at there's a great plan here and a great organization. So you just feel good. When you know you have a good organization, a good group, head coach, GM, everything, who's already won, and now they're resetting and doing it the right way it looks. You just you have a lot of confidence in that. Well, we'll have to see. I mean, playoff-wise, is it, you know, is it in reach? Yes. Obviously, you're still early in the season, and they're not, you know, everybody's kind of gearing up for the All-Star game and everything like that. And, um, you know, if you look at their division, they're sitting fourth in their division behind, you know, Brooklyn, obviously Philly's been on a tear, Boston, but they're only six games back. Um, you know, conference wise, they're sitting half a game out of the playoffs. So I don't know if you want to play this Raptors team. If they sneak into eighth seed, I don't know if you want to play. I don't know if you want to play them in the first round. It just doesn't seem like, uh, doesn't seem any fun. And, and if the play, and, you know, and if they made it into the eighth seed and it kind of stayed up top as it is. They play the Chicago Bulls in the first round. And who's the star for the Chicago Bulls this year? DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan. And by the way, we're going to get to football next year, which I'm excited about. We're going to go recap the, you know, the games from last week. There's some, some really good stuff I want to talk about. But this narrative around DeMar DeRozan and people are like, man, like ever since he left Toronto, guy's been an absolute stud, blah, 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 Toronto media this. You know, he just, he needed a better supporting crew. Okay. DeMar, and then they're like, guess you wish you didn't, you know, you probably shouldn't have traded for Kawhi for one year. Ha ha Okay. So we won a championship with Kawhi and they decided to leave. So don't care. Got a ring. Don't matter. 
Uh, DeMar DeRozan, uh, two games in a row this year, I think it was about three, four weeks, two, three weeks ago, hit two game winners in a row. He never made any of those shots in Toronto, ever. How many times in the playoffs or in, in close games did DeMar get the ball and did not make those shots? All the time. So I'm happy for him. I'm, I don't have hate towards DeRozan. It's just he just didn't, he was not the same player in Toronto. And part of that's growth. Which is and maybe it's a chip on his shoulder because ha no pun intended chip that he didn't get in Toronto but maybe maybe legitimately that that's a thing where he felt and, and he's made up with Masai but maybe he felt that he needed to be better uh, and if he was the guy that he is now he wouldn't have been traded from Toronto but I love to see a Demar Derozan uh, Fred Van Vliet you know shoot off in the first round I think that'd be unreal. Yeah, it would be awesome. I'm still always a fan of DeRozan. Like he was still one of the, my favorite Raptors, and he probably always will be. The way he interacted and wanted to love this city, and it just sucked that we had to give him up to get the championship, but we did, and we got it, so it was worth it. But still, always going to cheer for DeRozan. I really hope he does succeed, just not against the Raptors if they play each other in the playoffs. You want to uh, can I do some football talk? Yeah, I think we got to get into it. Let's do it then. It's the Over Six Sports Super Wild Card Weekend Picks Recap and Division Round uh, Picks. And uh, we got a lot to get into. Six games over the past weekend. And we've got, uh, we got four coming up this weekend. Primetime matchups that we're going to break down. Some really interesting lines. Cam, we already talked about how you went perfect. But let's go game by game and talk about some talking points on this. Yeah, so Saturday, 4.30, we had the Raiders and the Bengals go at it. Uh, Bengals were favored by six. They win 26-19. Man, I'm kind of choked. Either that, this is one of those. So I went four for six, lock hit, and you know, obviously it was the easiest lock in the history of the universe. We'll get to that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was I was super disappointed, you know, with the with the Raiders effort overall. I just Bengals were good. Like they just, you know, Joe Burrow was just throwing absolute dimes. Jamar Chase was doing Jamar Chase stuff and it is what it is, and, and this is what kind of burns me a little bit, right? You look at some of these games, you're like, man, why are these teams in the playoffs? I feel like Miami could have done a better job. That was my first thought, honestly, watching that game. I was like, I was like, you know, we, we our defense could have played way better than that. Yeah, I mean, they're, they, they were fine. They did their job. Like, I just, Zach Taylor, he just still, I don't think he's a good coach, and this game didn't help me feel any better about him. They got the job done, but it was, it was close, and – it felt like the Bengals should have easily handled this, and they didn't. It came down late, and things could have changed easily. Uh, Basaccio, the Raiders' interim head coach, like it's looking like this guy writes letters to his entire team, handwrites them to his entire team. Things look good, and now it looks like he might be out of a job. Ian Rappaport saying it's a long shot for him to keep the head coaching job, so this kind of sucks. But, uh, I mean, eventually this Raiders luck and this everything from John Madden had to run out. And it had to run out in Cincy. And uh, I don't think Cincy's a great team either, but they got the job done, and I thought they were. And everything kind of went how I thought this with this game. Zach Taylor didn't look like a good coach, but the Bengals still have enough skill on offense, and they're going to get the job done. Well, and I, a couple things with that. I mean, especially, like, is he going to be – is he going to get another head coach opportunity this year, or is he, you know, slated to move back down to an OCDC kind of 
kind of role for at least the next year and then maybe get a shot in 2023. Yeah, like I think he might get an upgrade still to an OC or DC. He was the special teams coordinator before, so he wasn't even a uh, coordinator like a OC or DC. So I think he's going to get a better shot somewhere else, I think, with all the movement that's going to happen if he doesn't stay in Vegas. I still think he deserves the job. He got this team to the playoffs with everything that went on this season. Like this guy deserves the job. It seems like everybody cares for him. Derek Carr's stepping up and saying this is the guy like this needs to be the guy but who knows what the Raiders are doing they always they're a weird organization that you can never predict so just kind of a messy situation overall the second thing is is that the uh, Cincinnati Bengals won their first playoff game and I think 31 years I think is what is what it was 31 or 30 or 32 somewhere in there low 30s um somebody somebody tweeted out or, or I forget who it was but basically we're saying that uh when the Bengals won, uh, somebody texted somebody that the Bengals had won a playoff game for the first time in history. I I, I laughed uh, because inside, bringing it back to the Leafs, I'm like, man, nobody's ever texted anybody about the Leafs winning the cup. That made me really sad. But, hey, shout out Bengals fans. You guys have been through it. Um, and uh, and we'll get to our picks for, for this weekend coming up. But hopefully uh, – yeah, hopefully, hopefully we have a that, that's going to be a good game. But the jungle. Oh, that's the last thing, by the way. The jungle. What a great name for us. Like, I know that's not the actual stadium name, but like talking about the fan base. Like, come on, that is like that is so good. The team runs out. Welcome to the jungle. That is just that's mint. I don't think any other organization in the league uh, has that much like that fun of a name for their building. Come on. No, it's too easy though. I mean, they had the like sides of the stadium at one point kind of look like a jungle with the bangle symbol all over the place it's a little easy but yeah it's still a sweet name moving in to the 8 15 game saturday we had new england heading to buffalo buffalo was three and a half point favorites and this wasn't even a football game 47 17 <laughs> some things weren't shocking about this game had to do it that's literally what i do when i hear anybody talk about Mac Jones being a stud. Sorry, I continue. I had I just had to do it. Yeah, there were a few things that weren't shocking about this game. Mac Jones not being a good quarterback. Not shocking. No. The defense no. for New England not showing up is shocking. Buffalo had a perfect game. Touchdown on every drive till they knelt. Kneeled? Kneeled. Not knelt. No, no. I well <laughs> took a knee. No, knelt. Till they took a knee. Took a knee. There you go. Yeah, yeah there you go. That shocked me. Like, this New England D I thought was better than this, and Buffalo looked like they had something to prove here. I mean, you just want to run over the Patriots. Everybody in the AFC East, everyone in the NFL has struggled with the Patriots forever. I mean, nothing brought every football fan together on Saturday quite like watching the Patriots get crushed in the playoffs. So there were some surprising things and some other not surprising things. I'm still, like, this just keeps adding to the fact. Sure, we could be very unsure on Tua. Has he proven yep. as much as he should? No. But how no. are people so sure on Mac Jones then? Mac Jones has shown less to me. This guy cannot get it done. He's not a good quarterback. He hasn't shown anything more than Tua with an unbelievable O-line, a really good run game. Two things that Miami doesn't have. So, again, I'm willing to fade Mac Jones quite a bit. It's tough to fade the Patriots because Bill Belichick is still Bill Belichick and the Patriots are still the Patriots. But this was just an easy game. And, I mean... At the end of this game, this did almost seem like the Super Bowl for the Bills, so I don't know what's that going to say going into KC next week. Like, I don't know how you have a letdown game in the divisional round, but if there ever was one, that might be the spot. We'll get to that later, though. 
I know we're like chomping at the bit to talk about these games coming up because there's just so many good ones. And actually, that's a comment before I take my take on this game is, you know, those these games that we're picking coming up legitimately every single one of these games is could be a primetime game. Like they're like, I don't remember a time that they've been this good, but um, we'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll get to that. Um, you said, you know, the bill, the, the, the Patriots getting smacked in the playoffs, it brings everybody together. 100%. Some people are anti Brady, but everybody's anti Patriots. And I think that's just a universal fact. Um, unless you're a Patriots fan, obviously. Uh, but you know, it, it's, the lock of the century, and I, and I joked before. I'm like, Patriot or Bills minus ten or whatever. I put it out in a text, and you know, like, oh, I don't know, Patriots maybe keep it close. Mac Jones is just not good. I think you still need to give him more rope because, again, now he's played 16 games, and I don't. And two is, you know, has two played 16 games in the NFL yet? Got to be close. Yeah, he's over that now. Okay, so he so he missed. Yeah, so but I mean, it's pretty close though. Yeah, he's got. He's at like 18 he, or 19. Okay, so, I mean, the sample size is pretty well similar, but, you know, as much as we harp on two, I think he also got to give Mac Jones the benefit of the doubt, even though he had a better O-line, even though they had a better run game. Again, you're still a rookie. You still got to feed your way out. Um, but that being said, I haven't seen anything. And, you know, his there's a couple of plays, you know, when they played Miami in the last week where you're like, oh, look at this arm. He can bomb it 30 you know yards down the field. Yeah, he hit a guy wide open nobody around him for 10 yards like that's not that hard and obviously under pressure he wasn't just any very good he just didn't look mobile enough um josh allen looked unbelievable uh this bill's defense looked unbelievable and um yeah to me lock this, this uh, we, we talked about how this was the lock of all locks so i'm i shouldn't even be able to take credit for this lock because i got to go first you get to go first next uh, this week uh but yeah i mean i don't really know what more i can say just uh you know, again, another team where, like, I don't think, I mean, Miami could have gone out there and got their ass beat like that. Yep. Well, we got to move into Sunday. Sunday, 1 p.m., we had Philly heading to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay was favored by eight, and I was wrong, Burke. You got this one wrong, too. You actually only finished 50%, because for some reason, you thought this Eagles team would cover against the Bucks. Oh, that's true. I was only three at three. Six. Yeah, you were only 50%. It was my mistake in the counting. But yeah, the Bucs handled this easily, 31-15. This didn't even feel like much of a game. Like, it wasn't that good of a football game overall. The Eagles couldn't run it. Jalen Hurts didn't really look like he could do much other than that. Like, just didn't look good. Tom Brady did what Tom Brady does in the playoffs. Just plays easy football, makes the easy throws. And they kind of had everybody running for them. Kayshawn Vaughn actually finished as the best runner in the game. Like, everything just kind of went well. And I just, this Eagles team, although it was kind of a surprising story all year, they just weren't good enough. Well, and this goes back to what we were saying. Like, you, can, you can't you can run the ball, but you can throw the ball in the Bucks defense. And yet, Jalen Hurts proved that apparently you can't throw the ball on this defense if you're, well, Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles because he threw picks all over the place. And, like, you knew that the – you knew that the run was going to get stopped. Like, Miles Sanders was not going to have a 150-yard game, two touchdowns. Like, it just wasn't going to happen. I think that – was in the cards. Um, but I did think that, you know, throwing the ball, Jalen Hurts mobility, you know, that was going to be a step and they're going to be able to keep it somewhat close. Um, but I mean, I, I made a, I made a crucial error, which is betting against Tom Brady in the playoffs. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, <laughs> history has proven that's a, that's a poor thing to do. Uh, Philly goes home. Philly didn't really show up. 
Yeah, the, those those games, the thir- the yeah, they just the Thursday game, the it was, it was a Thursday game, right? Sat no Saturday Sa- game. Sunday. The, the, yeah. Well, no, the Saturday oh. game was the, the other the other one. Like the um, yeah, like blowout. We had a couple games. That, like you, yeah, didn't have much of a game. Patriots game wasn't much of a game. Eagles wasn't much of a game. And you're like, ah, just getting outmatched by quality teams. Yeah, the four thirty game on Sunday though, we did get a game. San Fran at Dallas. Dallas was favored by three. San Fran pulls it off twenty three seventeen, as we both thought they had a really good chance at doing in winning the game. And they did it. Kind of a mess at the end with the Cowboys. I know that everyone's complaining about the refs and stuff, but what are you doing running it with 14 seconds left and expecting to get a spot in time and everything? Like, you also kind of blocked out the ref. Sure, the ref needed to be quicker, whatever, but you ran it, you blocked him out. Like, it was just a bad play overall, bad play call. Just a complete mess. Like, did you really think you're going to win the game with a one shot at the end zone with one second left or something? Like, just a complete mess. You you give the ball to your center. Like the ref, ha- and everybody knows this, the ref has to touch the ball. And Dak Prescott ripped him, got fined 25K today, uh, obviously. And then came out later and was like, yeah, I was heated the moment. I was wrong, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, yeah, you can't set the ball yourself. And they had and they had the line wrong. Like it was not in the right spot. And if the ref would have ran around that O-line, it would have taken longer. So they still would have had no time. But like all of that doesn't matter in the fact that you had Dak Prescott run a QB draw. Yeah. What are you doing? A QB draw with 14 seconds left with no timeouts the, the, makes no sense. That's stupidity. Middle. That's stupidity. And, like, I don't care. And, like, people are saying, yeah, but he was, you know, he had the space. Okay. Yes, I understand that Dak Prescott had the space there. But don't you think that's kind of the game plan? Leave the middle of the field open because if they if they run the ball, get tackled, and they have no timeouts, the clock stops. You take away all those deep passing options, especially, you know, so end zone and the sideline, give them the middle of the field. And we've talked, this is, this is the same with any game with a team that's doing a two minute drill. You give them the middle, you take away the long bomb and you take away the sidelines. And more often than not, that's successful. So they give him the middle of the field. He takes the bait and it's just an absolutely idiotic play. And as somebody that I curl with says, uh, and he's been saying this forever, is that uh, the Cowboys will never, ever win another Super Bowl. If Jerry Jones continues to be the GM of this team, and I mean another year where his prophecy is uh, is proving to be true, um, but I think, and yeah, I I don't know. It just San, San Fran honestly to me seemed like they just dominated all game, and then the last five minutes of the game they let Dallas back in for no reason. Yeah, I mean it's just like I just watched this game overall. Like C.D. Lamb was getting single coverage all game. Dallas seemed to have a game plan, and it didn't involve going to that. Just a complete mess, and Kellen Moore's like one of the biggest sought-after, the OC for Dallas, the big sought-after head coach for this season. He's one of the high names that every team wants. And I'm like, watching that game, man, I do not want this guy. This guy did not stand out at all. So just an easy pick, in my opinion. I mean, I locked it up for the week. I loved the money line for San Fran, and Dallas couldn't get the job done. I'm shocked that Mike McCarthy's not fired, by the way. But, I mean, Jerry Jones does Jerry Jones things. Side note. Uh, I did comment, um, so after the Cowboys blew that game, or not blew that game, just didn't perform as well, there's a Twitter account of a guy who's verified, and his name is Mike McCartney. And his DMs, and 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 uh, he was getting added in DM that he was an absolute shit coach, and he was replying during the game, and people were like, coach, why are you tweeting at during the game, blah, 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 uh, forgetting that the head coach of the uh, Dallas Cowboys is Mike McCarthy, 
not Mike McCartney. So Mike McCartney, shout out for dealing with all that hate. Uh, handled it amazing. You look at some of the responses. I loved it. Um, another team, by the way, that when they lose, the rest of the NFL wins. Yep. I mean, everyone hates the Cowboys and hates the Patriots. So it was a good weekend for just football fans. Moving into the night game, we had Pittsburgh heading to KC. KC favored by 13. Although it somewhat felt like a game, it really wasn't. 42-21 KC. I mean, they had a 7-0 lead off a weird fumble. They held it pretty good through a quarter, but you just knew when KC wanted to kick it up, they can. And there was nothing Pittsburgh was going to do about it. The only chance they had is if TJ Watt took over and he was doing his best to, but this KC team's too skilled, too well coached. Just everything's too good about them for a team that really didn't deserve to get in the playoffs like Pittsburgh. I was excited for the first quarter. You know, took Pittsburgh plus 13. I, and the angle there was that their defense had to step up. And I really, you know, with the struggles that Mahomes has had with interceptions and that kind of thing. And, and he threw it. He threw a pick in the first quarter, early second quarter. I forget which one it was. But, you know, I, I thought that's the angle, right? You know Big Ben's going to be limited, but... You know, if, if you can get Najee Harris going, which he did nothing, he had 29 rushing yards, um, you know, and Big Ben was just not, he, he, it's just, it's over. That's his last game. And it sucks that that's how it went down, but, and they kicked it up again in the third and fourth quarter, but it, you know, the, the defense was how you're going to win that game. And it, they did fine in the first quarter, but they just, you know, KC made those adjustments as they do as the championship caliber team that they are made those adjustments and absolutely torched them for 15 minutes had touchdown after touchdown after touchdown and that plus 13 slipped away quickly and as soon as they got up big there was no coming back from that I was hoping for the backdoor cover but uh was not meant to be and that kind of blew up my that blew up my bet I had a really juicy three uh three team parlay on the sunday and i was two you know two for two and i'm like man this 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 plus 13 line with the i should have teased it honestly if i tease it tonight even if i tease it to 19 i don't get it but you know either way i should i should have just gone i should have just gone cheese i don't know why i went the opposite i just i don't know it, it goes against all of our rules which which you've been preaching at me all year which is don't take bad teams and you're right. Pittsburgh, I don't think, probably really deserved to get there. They got there by, you know, the Raiders not taking a knee. That's it. Yeah, moving into the Monday Nighter, we had that big matchup of L.A. Rams and Arizona. L.A. was favored by four. They pull it off 34-11. Kyler did not look good. Cliff Kingsbury's just, he's a messy coach when games matter. Sean McVay actually gets it done in the first round of the playoffs every year. He did it with Jared Goff. He's doing it with Matt Stafford. So this was just, I thought this was going to be a closer game than it was, but it still was an easy pick. Arizona really wasn't in this game. Yeah. Really disappointing showing by, uh, by the Arizona Cardinals. They, I mean, people are saying that the Detroit lions wrecked the Arizona Cardinals. And it kind of looks like that, honestly, like they just, I don't know. Kyler is making really bad decisions, really bad throws, uncharacteristically overthrowing people a lot. And I mean, you got to give credit, obviously, to to the Rams' defense. I mean, they for once this year showed up. Like, I mean, obviously they had a couple good games, but I feel like they've been relatively disappointing. We were talking about that earlier, about how you know this Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, uh, Von Miller, you know, group had 
I mean, honestly, underperformed. They really have. I mean, they they should have been lights out the last couple of weeks of the season. They just weren't. And then playoff time comes around, and and they absolutely showed up and made life miserable for for the Cardinals. And I mean, obviously, they're missing <laughs> they're missing Hopkins. There's no doubt about that. Uh, as old as he is, I mean, he's just one of those guys that if he's in double coverage, single coverage, can you can bomb it at him and you know who do you got Christian Kirk it's just not the same right it's it's just it's just not the same and missing that piece I'm not saying I'm not making an excuse for them but um that that piece is definitely definitely a piece that you want to see um but overall just an absolute absolute poor effort by the Cardinals and but like the hard part about this is is like we had talked about which angle do you go here uh because you know everything's kind of the same and after that game I'm not more certain about the Rams than I was before because because Arizona didn't give them a test. They, they literally did nothing. So I actually don't know, are the Rams legit? Or was that just a fluke because, you know, Arizona played so shitty? Yeah, like the Rams also did look really good. Like Von Miller, this was his best game by far for them. They were coached well. Stafford made some good plays. OBJ had his best game in years since maybe he was a giant. Like they also played really well, but Arizona played so poorly. It is a hard judgment game. Uh, I guess we'll see what happened next week. You don't really know. It's, I mean, they're going to Tampa Bay. So Tampa Bay is a tough place to win. It's going to be a tough game. Going to be a good game. So uh, it's exciting though, because they have a lot of the pieces that might be able to stop Tampa Bay and we'll get to that. But overall, again, just seemed like an easy pick. I'm going to fade Kingsbury anytime I can. They seem like Pittsburgh from last year where they just started off super hot to start the year with an easy schedule and then just faded off as the season went and, you're ready to fade them come playoffs. And that's exactly what happened. And that gets us to uh, the divisional round this weekend. And we got four, four games. So we're going to start it on Saturday at four 30 Saturday four. at four 30, four, four 30, yeah, four 30, four 30, since yeah. heading to Tennessee, Tennessee off the bye as the number one seed, Tennessee is favored by three and a half. So Vegas really wants you to take the Bengals. Ooh. I mean, mm. Mm. Vrabel's never lost off a bye, off 10 days rest. Vrabel is undefeated. And this team, I think, is just a better team. It looks like the D-line for Cincy could be injured. Henry's going to be back, but I'm not even that concerned. Tennessee, since Henry was injured, was still the fifth best rushing <laughs> team in the NFL. Like, they're just still so good at it. I mean, you see everything they can do off that play action with Tannehill. It makes Tannehill look like a really good quarterback. Freeble off the bye. I know everything's telling you to go Cincy. Vegas is trying to trick you here. Take the three and a half. Let's go Tennessee. I'm all over it this week. I'm ready to fade Zach Taylor. I wanted to last week. I just couldn't do it. This week, I am fading him all day long. I'm going to take the Bengals plus three and a half. I'm, I mean, at this point, 50% last week, I mean... 50% this week's in sight easily in my opinion. And I'm going to take a shot because at three and a half, you should take the dog, right? Within a field goal. Absolutely. Take the dog. That's what common betting knowledge is telling you. And I just, you know, this, this Henry angle, I mean, he's not going to be the same that he was mid season. It's just, it's just not, that's not realistic. Like, there's people online saying, man, this man's about to put up four TDs for 200 yards. Nah, ain't happening. It just, it just won't. So that means that you're going to have to you, – you'll have Tannehill throwing the ball. And there's Tennessee defense, and they, and they showed, against, especially against Miami, uh, when they you know beat us into the ground to kill our playoff hopes, uh, that they're pretty legit. But 
you know, I just think the Bengals are going to maybe, maybe they're going to be this team that, you know, just has this kind of fairy tale run in the playoffs. And maybe that ends in the, you know, in the conference championship. But, you know, from what I saw last week, and I, and I get that it wasn't, you know, the Raiders are not the same quality team as the Titans. Titans are number one seed, but a dog's going to win this week. All four favorites aren't going to win. And I don't really know how I feel about the other dog. So yeah, Bengals plus three and a half, Joey Burrow, Jamar Chase, let's go. Moving into the 8-15 game on Saturday, we have San Fran heading to Lambeau Field. Green Bay, Green Bay five and a half point favorites here. I really liked San Fran last year, last week. They did a lot of the things that I thought they can do, and their really heavy run game can be successful against Green Bay. That's what Green Bay is successful to. So we will see what happens this week. It's an interesting game to say the least. Uh, Green Bay minus five and a half all day of the week. Green Bay minus seven. I don't care. Um, I just, I, I can't, I can't see any situation where a team like San Francisco, who, yes, they had to, you know, they played on Sunday, so they're only going to be on six days rest and Green Bay is going to have a couple of weeks rest. Uh, Aaron Rodgers toe is going to be a little bit more healed after the rest as well. And this team is just so high offensively powered and their defense has been extremely good this year surprisingly it didn't look like it at the start of the year but overall they've been really successful and i think you're going to see san fran run out of gas the other part of this angle being that jimmy g injured lingaman in his thumb or whatever it is he's he's you know he's questionable probably going to fight through it probably going to play um but i think it's pretty obvious when we saw trey lance play a couple weeks ago that if he had to if trey lance was playing uh this team is not the same their pieces don't get utilized the same so if jimmy g can't go or is limited uh you're going to see san francisco really struggle and green bay just seems like an absolute powerhouse team to me we all know green bay loses in the nfc championship it's just an absolute script uh but i have no doubt in my mind that green bay is going to be winning this week yeah, I have to agree. I'm going to take Green Bay minus five and a half as well. There are some things that I do like about San Fran. Again, they run the ball really well. I think Jimmy G being injured is actually almost better for them because it forces them to run it more. They have great run schemes, and Green Bay's not great against the run. So I think both those things work out well for them. Again, Aaron Rodgers, this just seems like a big FU game. And when Aaron Rodgers has FU games, he just wins. And I think he's going to do all he can. Like, this seems like an FU tour right now, these playoffs for Aaron Rodgers. So. There might be a t- time to fade him in the NFC Championship game, but it's not the divisional round. So Green Bay minus five and a half. All day. Moving into Sunday, 3 p.m. A little earlier start here on the East Coast. LA Rams are heading to Tampa. Tampa's favored by three. Tampa should be favored by three. It's it's difficult for me to not take Tampa. Is Fournette going to be playing this week? I have no idea. Not, I haven't seen the injury report, but... Um, you know, for me, I just look and say last week I bet against Tom Brady and the spread was eight and Tom Brady taught me a lesson. So this week I'm going to go back to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go the other way, take Tom Brady minus the three. And it's right on that middle betting line where it, it could go either way, kind of that pick em style game. And I, the, to me, I, I just, you know, I think the Rams, they, they just didn't show me enough. And I, and I, I just am not convinced. If they come out and win this game, then we're talking, you know, Rams, Packers, and the NFC Championship. Then we're, then we're having a discussion. Uh, I don't, I don't foresee that happening. Tom Brady is too good. This Bucks team, offensively and defensively, defensively, are too good. Um, this game's going to be close. I'm not saying this is going to be a ten point blowout, 
but I could definitely see this being a six-point game, seven-point game. So minus three seems like a logical pick for me. Tampa Bay. You know, there's a lot of things that make me really nervous about this game. Some of them being Ryan Jensen and Tristan Wirfs were on the injury report. Sounds like they both should go, but that's two important parts of your offensive line who are going to have to go up against Aaron Donald and Vaughn Miller. Then you do have Jalen Ramsey, who's going to guard Mike Evans all game. So that kind of takes that out. I don't know what they're going to do to stop Gronk, and Brady's still not scared to throw to Gronk at this point. Again, offensively, I think you can throw in these bucks a bit. So Cooper Cup, OBJ, they can be available. We could see big games from them. But again, overall, three points. I got to go the Bucks all day long here. Does make me a little more nervous than maybe it should. Just because, again, these Rams have star power. But I'm not betting against Tom Brady in the playoffs right here. Like, this just seems like another really good chance to go to Lambeau next week and see what he can do at Lambeau. Well, and, and we're also forgetting our boy, our sneak attack white lightning scotty miller yeah he's playing like next to no snaps so it's not it's not going maybe, so good maybe somebody gets hurt scotty miller anytime touchdown i'm sure that plays something nice plus 500 or something it'd have to be a lot more than that <laughs> <laughs> i haven't actually looked so i don't know moving along to the last game of the divisional round 6 30 p.m on sunday buffalo heads to arrowhead kansas city kc favored by two and a half Ooh, baby. Again, I kind of touched on this in the recap. I actually think this is a letdown spot in the playoffs. KC lost to Buffalo in the regular season as well. I just think this is a revenge game. This is KC in the playoffs. Buffalo, again, somehow there's a letdown spot in the playoffs, and this is going to be it here. They're coming off a massive high. They've won the division. They finally slayed the Patriots. Like, everything's so good for them. They seem like they won the Super Bowl last week. Now you got to go to Arrowhead. Face Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, everything that this team has to go with. And I just don't see it going very well. I think they're going to be competitive. I just think at the end of the day, KC is going to be able to throw on them with no Tredavious White. Tyree Kill is going to be able to have a game. Travis Kelsey is going to have a game. Like the Buffalo secondary is just not good enough to stop what KC can do in the air. I'm going KC as well. I am high in the Bills. Um, if the Bills actually came and won this game, um, that wouldn't shock me. It might it might be a decent hedge if you take you know Chiefs minus two and a half, and one parlay you throw the Chief uh, the Bills money line and another parlay like that. That's a decent one. I mean again, a dog is going to win this week. At least one dog is going to win this week, no doubt. But you know, betting knowledge, you're taking the two and a half. Casey winning by a field goal at the end of the game would not shock me whatsoever if that's how it shook out, and if that's how it shakes out, they cover. Um, you know, the only way they really don't cover is if it's off a missed extra point or something stupid. Like, it, you know, the, the numbers don't really add up in, for that two and a half spread. So I think they win by three or they lose straight out. Um, and the fact that I faded them last week and they burned me, you got to you gotta go with them this year. And their defense has been excellent. They're, they really have the second half of the year. They've been top three. And their offense has really picked it up as well. So Mahomes can avoid turnovers. I think that's the big thing because I think that's where the the you know the Bills can really burn you if you turn the ball over a lot. And the Bills can get points off of turnovers, whether it's you know three here, seven there, whatever the case is. It's, they're going to make life difficult uh, for the Chiefs. But if the Chiefs can av avoid those costly interceptions, fumbles, that kind of thing, um, and just you know play Kansas City Chiefs football as they know how. Uh, minus two and a half seems too easy for me, so I'm taking the Chiefs. So, going into this week, Burke, we both hit our locks last week, so we got to try it again. 
we can't go double locks because there's only four games. We can't do any of that silly yeah. stuff. I don't know if you really play a tease this week with four games and some of these lines, but uh, I'm going to lock up Tom Brady this week. I feel pretty good coming off last week. Everything went well for me. Got to keep that momentum going. Tom Brady in the playoffs against Sean McVay. I like that matchup. Tampa Bay minus three is going to be my lock. I am shocked that you didn't go the Packers. Shocked. So I'm going. I'm taking the Packers minus five and a half. I really did think that's where you're going to go, and I wasn't exactly sure where I was going to go because you know all the other lines again. That that was under consideration, but these are all really good games that are going to be happening um, this weekend. But hey, Pack baby, they get the job done. Aaron Rodgers, we already know who he is. Sheriff's back in town, as you said. Aaron Rodgers revenge game. Let's fucking go. It's going to be an absolute barn burner of a weekend. Um, I I just hope that all the games are competitive and close. I mean, from a gambling perspective, the sweat would definitely be on. And sometimes you just want that layup game. But, you know, watching Chiefs, Steelers, watching Arizona, Rams, it just, it, in my opinion, just didn't feel like playoff football. No, there was, was too many games last week where you didn't even have a sweat. What's the fun on betting on football if there's zero sweat? Like some of them, it was None. just like, this is over. All right, sweet. I've already cashed my money. But no, divisional round, we'd like to see it closer. Historically, it actually, there's more blowouts in the divisional round than the wild card round. So we'll see. But hopefully we get some really good football games. I think Sunday's games are just going to be phenomenal. Buffalo KC feels like it should be the AFC championship game. And we're seeing it a week too early, in my opinion. So it's going to be an exciting week of football, and I'm looking for it. Well, man, I'll tell you what. This has been the backwards year of the NFL. Everything that you think is going to happen, it seems to go the opposite way. Um, divisional round, it seemed like our games are all going to be relatively close, relatively good, and we had multiple, multiple blowouts. So maybe conventional wisdom that divisional round is generally blowouts. Maybe we'll get some – maybe they'll all be close. Either way, uh, we have – two three more weeks including the super bowl of uh of nfl talk and then after that it's done we move into draft we move into kind of recap we move into some nhl picks and that kind of stuff so hey we're uh we're winding down but uh, hey did you see the um the trailer for the for the halftime show the m&m dr dre kendrick lamar mary j blige yeah, I mean, it's not really my typical music, but it looks like a stacked lineup, so it should be exciting. I think that uh, I do like that they have changed genres a bit, um, only because, like, you know, there's conventional people who are like, I don't want to listen to that shit. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, you had The weekend last year. Well, that's not everybody's cup of tea, you know? You had whoever it was the year. Who was the year before that? I uh, don't remember. But they've, 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 point being, they've moved genres a lot, and the fact that it's in L.A., you know, LA's quite a hip hop town, and hey, I mean, I think it's going to be rocking. I'm looking forward to it. Um, can it be hard to top the weekend last year? But I'm sure that they'll do. Uh, they'll do an unreal job. Um, do you have any like prop? I don't know if you've looked at props this weekend. Is there any one prop that stands out to you? Anytime touchdown, anything like that that you want to add? Or are you good? No, nothing standing out. One that you might want to look at, the Green Bay one, is Randall Cobb is back. And we know that Aaron Rodgers likes throwing to Randall Cobb in the red zone. So that's one that keep an eye on, especially depending on how San Fran plays Adams in the red zone. So that's maybe an interesting one. It's just an anytime there. Or you never know, even a first touchdown with Randall Cobb. 
Uh, there's one bet builder that I like, and it's based on interceptions. I think that um, if you wanted to, I don't know. And again, I don't have the odds because I haven't actually looked at it. But I'm just thinking if you have, especially if you're just looking at Sunday, um, Stafford anytime interception or over, over 0.5 interceptions, Josh Allen over 0.5 interceptions, and Mahomes over 0.5 interceptions, I think that probably is going to pay. De- I don't know about Tom Brady. That seems... A bit of a stretch. I don't know for sure, um, but Brady's thrown a lot you know, this year. Yeah, I mean he has. So I mean, maybe if hey, maybe that's an angle for you. Take every quarterback on Sunday over 0.5 interceptions. I definitely think Stafford, Allen, uh, and Mahomes are going to throw an interception this week. It just seems likely. Um, so I, again, I don't know what the money is on that. I'll tweet it out. I'll try to find it uh, at Zach Burke over six, and we will. Uh, and we'll see what that looks like, but I really like that kind of mini mini bet builder on uh, on over interceptions. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a really good thing. They're all known to throw interceptions, especially in tight games. They're all pretty high up on turnover-worthy plays this season, so seems like a pretty good, fun little bet because even depending on, no matter what the games are doing, it's something that you can spot on. Oh, for sure. And keep in mind, too, and I'm really excited for this, second year in a row, uh, we are coming up, by the way, February 4th is our one-year anniversary of the Over 6 uh, Sports Podcast. So uh, we're going to kind of get into the Super Bowl. We're going to do our full uh, our full props list, which is always fun. little spreadsheet of a whole bunch of props for the Super Bowl. Love that. Um, and a couple other things. I made the most money last year, mostly during the regular season, but I cleared 700 on Super Bowl Sunday. So that was a good, you know, that, that was a nice little nice little game. And hopefully uh, we can add that because the rest of this regular season has been absolute dick for me. It's been not not good at all, uh, to say the least, uh, despite the fact that I was slightly under 50%. The parlays were just not hitting for me. Uh, Cam, anything you want to add before we, uh, before we sign it off? No, that is it. Just looking forward to sitting down for both days on the weekend and watching some football. Yes, sir. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Over6Sports. Uh, at Zach Burke over six and at C Charlton turf. Uh, don't forget on Spotify, they now have the five star like or five star rating button. You can rate the podcast, uh, Apple, Mute, Apple podcast has had it forever. Uh, Spotify, it's new. So if you like the podcast, you like what we bring, uh, hit that five star button, leave us that uh, review greatly, greatly appreciated. Uh, helps us out. And as always for the over six sports podcast, I'm Zach, the bandit Burke and the lock King slash turf King. Thank you for listening to the Six Sports, and we will chat with you next week.